3: you always listen to the
4: radio. It's different. Our lives are
5: ruined already. The Whistler. the tape will self-destruct in five seconds.
4: Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, Herbert Marshall stars as secret agent Ken Thurston on The Man Called X from 1951, then... Eve Arden stars as Madison High's tenth-grade English teacher Connie Brooks on part one of a hilarious episode of Our Miss Brooks from 1949. But first, let me say hello to my co-host Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. What's going on, Dimply? Everything's good. What's going on? And Mike's over there. I'm so over here. Then it's Whole all good. Gang is here, man. Oh man. Well, guess what? We're going to start things off. With a secret agent drama series, The Man Called X. Debonair British actor Herbert Marshall starred as FBI agent Ken Thurston. Our government dispatched him to dangerous locales all over the world to fight our enemies. And Leon Belasco played Mr. X's assistant, Pagan Zeldschmidt. Say that five times fast. It debuted over CBS... In 1944 and lasted until 1952. And in 1956, a syndicated television series hit the tube starring Barry Sullivan. It ran 39 episodes. We have a radio episode now of The Man Called X. This is called Land Reclamation. It stars Herbert Marshall from April 7th, 1951. Part one now of The Man Called X.
5: we present Herbert Marshall as The Man Called X, the Saturday night feature on NBC's five show festival of comedy, music, mystery, and drama, brought to you by by the makers of Addison for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, neuralgia, and by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television. Herbert Marshall as The Man Called X. Wherever there is mystery, intrigue, romance, in all the strange and dangerous places of the world, there you will find The Man Called X. The street known as Kalachar winds its crooked, filthy way through the colorful heart of the jewel of India, the city of Bombay. Down toward the Arabian Sea, the street winds, finally coming to an abrupt end amidst the turmoil and confusion of Bombay's dock area. And it is there, among the English merchants, the Lascar sailors, the Hindu, Moslem, and Brahmin dock hands and stevedores, that we find a familiar fakir busily plying his wares.
3: But believe me, Saeed, I, I swear by the father of my father of my father, nowhere, nowhere in all India could you find razor blades like these. <laughs> They'll sharpen pencils, open tin cans. <laughs> you could even use them for cutting your whiskers. Yeah, you get... Okay, okay. Now, you don't have to get tough about it, don't you? Hey, you, you, Saeed. Maybe you'd like some pin-up pictures, huh? I got Mabel Norman, Theda Barra, Mary pigford <laughs> Believe me, for ten rupees a piece. How wrong can you go? And besides, I would like... Huh? May this humble
6: one inquire if the noble Saab is known by the name of Pagon Zelsmith, Pagan?
3: Who wants to know?
6: My name is Mahura Shoto, Saab. It was in Karachi during the war with the Japanese that I was of some service to the great one known as X. Oh, oh sure, sure. Mahura Shoto, yeah. Hey, maybe you'd like some brand new sharpened razor blades, eh? You must be familiar with the address of the one who is known as X. Here, take these. Hey, hey, that's 50 bucks American. Use it to send a cablegram to X at once. Whatever is left, you may retain for yourself. Oh, you
3: bet, you bet, Mr. Schulte, my my oldest, dearest friend. I'll,
6: I'll send it off right away. I will write the message for you here uh-huh. upon this paper. Uh-huh. In the back country of Candiva, fertile seed for war is being sown... Upon soil weapon for conflict, you must destroy the deadly harvest.
3: Are you kidding?
6: That don't even make sense. To the man known as X, its meaning will be as clear as the waters of a crystal stream. It will? Go, Sad. Send the cable. He must arrive here before it is too late.
7: <laughs> Mr. Shoulder! Mr. Shoulder! Oh, oh. 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 But it
0: doesn't make sense, Ken. Just because you get a cablegram filled with gibberish from Pagan, that's no reason for you to go running off to India. Now, Hoover Shalter has been murdered, Chief. Sure, I know. And this is the Bureau, not a homicide division. Chief,
8: did you ever hear of Kahn's grass? Kahn's grass? Yeah. Well, sure, it grows wild in India. It's the curse of India. Only five feet high, virtually indestructible. Over 10 million acres of once fertile land in the central provinces are now overrun by it. Well, that's their problem. No, you're wrong, Chief. Unless that land can be reclaimed from the cow's grass, millions of people will face famine, starvation. And starving people are ripe for anything. We'll remember what happened to China.
0: Hmm. Now, but wait a minute. Didn't I read about an English agriculturist, uh, Dr. Stanley, planning on doing something about that grass? with Some new farm machineries or something? That's
8: right. He's in Bombay now, getting ready for a trip to the interior. He's going to try out that machinery in Candiva province. Candiva? Yeah. Hmm.
2: In the back country of Condiva, fertile seed for war is being sown. Hmm.
8: I'll let you know how I make out, Chief.
0: I can't tell you how pleased I am to meet you in person, Mr. Thurston. Mahuva Shorto spoke to me about you so often I felt that we'd almost become friends, and now I'm certain of it.
8: Nice of you to say so, Dr. Stanley. But I didn't know that Mahuva was connected with your land reclamation
0: project. Oh, there was nothing he wouldn't do for the benefit of his people, Mr. Thurston. When he learned of the machines that I was building, he was willing to sacrifice anything to help me.
8: Is that why he was killed, Doctor? Here is the, the building where
0: I've been working. Will you please come into the office? Thank you. Mr. Thurston... For five years, I've been trying to build tractor-driven equipment that will destroy the Khan's grass. It will tear it out by the roots. But there have been repeated attempts to sabotage my machines. I've received warnings that the farmer peasants in Candiva province will not allow any foreign devils to interfere with their affairs. Um, Mahuva Sholto has been murdered. Uh,
8: suspect anyone?
0: No one. Where's the machinery now? Oh, they're in the workshop in the rear of the building. We're moving it out to the siding this afternoon, and then tonight it'll be loaded aboard railroad cars and the trip to Condito.
7: Yeah.
0: They came from your workshop. Yeah. There they are. To a button, Martin.
9: right him. Let's have that gun. Let's have it. Lyle, hey. Jack, what's going on here? What is the meaning of this? It's
10: right, simple enough.
9: I just found out we've been trying to wreck our tractors.
10: I am afraid, Dr. Stanley... That your engineer is suffering from a misapprehension.
9: Yeah? And then what about that drum of diesel oil over there? Well sweetened with sugar and sand. Sugar and sand? You're sure about that? You bet I am. I just found it back here when Turbot opened up on me. I ran over, saw him with the gun, and... Say, who are you anyway?
8: My name's Ken Thurston.
0: He's an old friend of Mahuba Hoover huh? uh, Mr. Thurston, this is Jack Martin, my tractor engineer, huh? and this gentleman is Lal Batz. He has been working for us at Delhi University.
8: What's your explanation, Turbot?
10: I was outside the workshop when I heard the shots. I rushed in, saw that gun on the floor, picked it up, and then Martin attacked me. Do
9: you expect anyone to believe that story, Turbot? Huh?
8: What do you mean, Martin? It could be true. See for yourself. This gun hasn't been fired. What? Oh, but that's
11: impossible. What difference does it make, Mr. Martin?
0: Harry, I didn't hear you come in.
11: I have been here for several moments, Dr. Stanley, being amused by this rather childish conversation. You are Ken Thurston, are you not?
8: That's right.
11: I am Barry Sholto. Uh, Sholto? Mahuva Sholto's daughter, Mr. Thurston. Oh,
8: I'm glad to know you. But why do you think it makes no difference who fired those shots?
11: Because whether it is now or later, Mr. Thurston, you will learn that this project of yours is doomed to failure. Oh, India can handle her own problems. Her hopes, her future lie within herself. With her own people, with Asia.
8: Well, it will hardly your father's sentiments, Miss Sholto.
11: And today he is dead. He would not listen to me, Mr. Thurston. I would advise you not to make the same mistake. <laughs>
3: Well, of course, if you insist on having my invaluable services, Mr. X, I'll be happy to go along with you on this trip, for a slight consideration, of course. You'll get bureau-scale pay, huh?
8: Twenty a day and expenses.
3: Please, Mr. X.
8: There's Dr. Stanley's train. As soon as they finish loading the tractors, we'll be pouring out for Candiva Province. You coming along?
3: At bureau-scale? That's right. Uh, Twenty a day and expenses? Yes.
8: Well, I couldn't possibly consider it. Okay, so long, Pagan. Well, as long as you exist like that, Mr. X. <laughs>
7: I'll take
3: it. Uh, how soon do we reach this Candiva
8: joint, anyways, Mr. X? Cheer up, Pagan. We shall get there sometime tomorrow.
3: Believe me, it won't be one hot box too soon. Boy, what a
8: trip. What <laughs> did you find out about Lowell? Turbat or Jack Martin.
3: All Martin does is talk about tractor engines, and Turbat don't say nothing. Just keeps on making either that buddy cookie. <laughs> what gives Mr. Thurston. Well, what's going on with this trip, anyways?
8: Somebody's trying to commit murder.
3: Murder? But but who's trying to bump off who? India is the target, Pagan. India? Now, what kind of a talk is that? How can anybody murder a gun? <laughs> is... Hang on to your
7: head. we're going to oh. find out.
9: think it was sabotage, Martin? No question about it, Thurston. A three-stick job with detonating cap. When the train ran over it, it, it blew. Uh, lucky we were going slow. Yeah. But, but why should anyone try to blow up a whole train like that? They were after the tractor equipment.
10: If so, Mr. Thurston, they did not succeed. It has not been that good. We can send back to
8: a wrecking crew and be on our way again by morning.
11: How much longer do you think you can go on, Mr. Thurston? The attempts at sabotage... My father's death. Now, this. Must we all be killed before you will listen to reason?
10: But he is right, Mr. Thurston. We cannot proceed in the face of the united resistance of the Indian people. Your friend, Dr. Stanley, doesn't feel that way about it. Doesn't he? Let us find him right now and put the question to him.
11: It will do no good, Lal. I have just been to his compartment.
8: And he wouldn't agree he to turn back?
11: He could not agree to anything.
8: Ah, uh, killed by the wreck, Miss Alto.
11: No, Mr. Thurston, by a knife in his throat.
5: With over ten million acres of once fertile grain land overrun by the almost indestructible Khan's grass, the dark shadow of famine looms ominously over the great land of India. Dr. Roger Stanley believed he had tractor-operated equipment that could destroy it, but the train carrying the equipment was wrecked and Dr. Stanley murdered. Now, two days later, Ken Thurston has arrived with the reclamation party and the rerouted equipment at the home of Barry Shalto in
11: Candiva province. I want you to understand, Mr. Thurston, that the hospitality of this home is being extended only because it was my father's wish. Not mine.
8: you made your point several times, Miss Sholto. It's perfectly clear by now.
11: Apparently not clear enough. Or you would not pursue this project as you are doing.
8: Look, Miss Salto, We're here to test Dr. Stanley's equipment. If it works, it means new life for millions of your countrymen. The wishes of starving people are more important than yours or mine.
11: It is the wish of my people to be sufficient unto themselves. They want no interference from foreigners.
8: There's only your word for that.
11: And the dead bodies of my father and Dr. Stanley...
8: What makes you think they were killed as a protest?
11: What other explanation is there?
8: The fact that starving people will listen to promises from anywhere. Somebody will be trying to sell them on the idea of Asia for the Asiatics.
11: Have you anything better to offer? Yeah.
8: Tools. So they can help themselves. Mr. Thurston,
11: do something.
9: They're going to kill us, murderers even. Oh, there's a mob outside, Thurston. They saw us put the equipment away in the barns, and they don't like any part of it. Yes, Thurston. Ah, that's obvious. Starting with the rocks, are they? Put down that gun, Mountie. If they want to play rough, they came to the right place. Put oh, it down. Are you nuts, Thurston? There's only one way to handle a mob like that. If there is, it's not with bullets. What else do you think could work? Maybe someone ought to talk to them. Talk? That's crazy.
8: Now, to about, doesn't think so?
11: Lal. What do you mean?
8: He's out there talking to them now.
9: Hey, that's right, Mr. Thurston. And look what's happening with those lynches. The mob's breaking up. They're leaving. What goes on here anyway. What could Turbot have told them that would quiet them down like that?
8: We'll find out in a minute. He's coming in here now.
10: My countrymen offer their apologies, Saib. I think they will hold themselves in check for a while.
8: What did you tell them to about?
10: I merely asked them to wait until after the test tomorrow before expressing their anger in violence.
3: You you mean that's all you said?
10: That was enough? Why not? Fundamentally, they are reasonable people. They will listen to sensible talk. Sort of makes them the exception to the rule, doesn't it? I am not certain I understand, Mr. Thurston.
8: Angry mobs usually don't listen to anything. Unless it's an order from their leader.
3: Look, Mr. X, let's take a quick brush-out powder away from here tonight, before that mob changes its mind and kills somebody, somebody like me. We're going to
8: test that equipment tomorrow, Pagon, and tonight you're going to stand guard in the barn with those tractors.
6: Oh, no. no, no! Do
11: you mind if I share this hilltop with you, Ken? There are some things I would like to talk over with you.
8: What things, Barry?
11: First, my father was killed. Then, Dr. Stanley, any one of us could be next. And why? Because someone who thinks he is right is trying to prevent you from doing something you think is right. It, it somehow does not make much sense.
8: Maybe not, but this does. The world's too small these days for any country to stand alone and hope to survive.
11: Then every nation, every man must choose his side. Yes.
8: For your sake, I hope you choose the right one. For the world's sake, I hope India does.
9: I figure we can start right about here in the morning, Thurston. With a break, I should be able to clear 12 to 16 acres by night. That ought to give the natives something to think about. Yeah.
8: This stuff's mighty dry and brittle. You'd think that all you had to do was just burn the fields over. Mm, it's been tried. I know. Nothing but touch it until Dr. Stanley built that equipment out there in the barn. Well, we'll find out in the morning if it'll do the job.
7: Mr. that's from the barn. What's
9: going on
8: there? Let's go find out. door, Martin.
7: Right.
10: Stop there, time. Turbot! Oh, it is you, Martin, and Mr.
8: Thurston. What's going on here, Turbot?
10: I was in the hope that you gentlemen could supply such an answer to Uh, me. you've got the gun.
8: What was the shooting
10: about? Again, I must plead ignorance. I was out for an evening stroll and heard the first shots from the barn. I ran in here, someone fired at me and... I returned the fire. Then whoever shot was gone. That sounds as phony as the yarn you handed us back in Bombay. The truth, Mr. Martin, very often has a strange sound to those who are not used to it.
8: One more crack
10: like that, and I'll take
8: that gun away Hold from you. Hold it, Martin. You've got other things to think about.
10: If you are concerned about the equipment, Mr. Thurston, you need not be. Everything is in good order.
8: It's not what's here that bothers me; it's what's missing. Missing? Yeah. Five drums of diesel oil and Pagon Zellschmidt.
11: So you are going ahead with the test of the equipment anyway, Ken?
8: Why not, Marie?
11: I should think the affair of last night might have some effect on your plans. Your friend, Pagon, is still missing. Does that not mean anything to you?
8: If they wanted to kill him, they'd have done it last night. My guess is that they're holding him until they see how the test comes out.
7: All set to go, Thurston.
8: Okay, Martin. Good luck.
9: I don't think we need it, but keep your fingers crossed. Here we
10: go.
7: He is under the cans,
10: Thurston. And look, it is working. Look at this swathe he is cutting across the grass. It is unbelievable. So, you
11: can supply India with the tool she needs to help herself.
10: Inside
8: of a year, Barry, you'll see this picture repeated all over India.
10: If my people can be convinced of that fact, Mr. Thurston, there still remains the no, problem... You. I
3: can. It is Elsmith. Mr. Thurston, Mr. Thurston, we gotta get out of here.
10: Fast, we gotta get out of here. Get up,
3: Egon. Oh, those crooks last night's the one who shot me and kidnapped me, I just got away from them. And we gotta get out of this grass quicker. We'll be cooked like a couple of goose.
10: What are you talking about? The
3: fuel oil, that's what. They got it spread all over the grass over there.
11: But why should they spread oil in the grass?
8: There's your answer now, Barry. Look over there.
11: The Khan's grass is on fire. That wind is carrying it this way. Come on, Mr. Rex, let's get out of here before
3: we're toasting.
8: Okay, Pagon, climb aboard this machine. I'm right ahead of you.
10: Do not be a fool, then. You cannot hope to save the equipment. Those tractors cannot outrun the flames.
8: You and Barry run for the house. Mountain's out of the path by now. I'll handle this end of it.
10: But that is insane. You do not stand a chance.
8: All right, Pagon. hang on.
4: That's the first portion of The Man Called X. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on 5 CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first 5 CD collection of 10 classic radio shows regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on 5 CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality And you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first 5-CD collection with 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott & Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee & Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now back to The Man Called X.
3: Boy, am I ever glad to be getting out of this mess. I don't I want to see another blade of grass as long as i Hey, hey, look what you're doing, Mr. X. You're, you're heading right into that fire. Not quite. I'm running
8: parallel with it. But, but, Mr. X... There's an extra oil drum on the back. Take a look and see what's happening to it.
3: Yes, but... Do as
8: I say, you idiot.
3: Okay, okay. Hey, what do you know? All the oil's running out of the, onto the grass.
8: Good. That's good, eh? Now let's get out of here. Not until we set a backfire. A backfire? Yeah. Here, yeah. hang on to this piece of cotton waste. That's it.
3: Hey, hey, watch what you're doing. It's on fire.
8: i it into the oil, we'll spilled out.
3: Go on, it. Sure, sure, but... Oh, I don't see why you... Mr. X! It's on fire all around us. We're burning up. Oh! Oh!
7: Oh!
8: Oh! All right, now, relax, Beggar. <laughs> the only thing that'll burn around here now is the town's dress As soon as those two fires meet, they're going to call it quits. <laughs>
9: Congratulations, Thurston. That was the fastest bit of brain work I've seen in many a day. Oh, it was nothing. Nothing at all.
11: The fire put out. All that equipment saved. You called that nothing?
9: The backfire worked. Let's leave it at that. Okay, okay. Have it your way. All I can say is that I couldn't have pulled it off.
10: Uh, To be perfectly frank, Thurston, I'm still puzzled about it. Or was it just accident that the second tractor was so handy and had the open fuel drum on it? There was no accident to about
8: There had to be some logical reason for those missing fuel drums. The fire would destroy the equipment and still give Martin a good cover-up.
9: What was that, Thurston?
8: You can forget the act, Martin. It didn't work in Bombay when you tried to throw suspicion on and It won't work now.
9: Are you trying to be funny, Thurston? There's nothing funny
8: about the murders of Sholto and Dr. Stanley or the attempted murder of millions of Indians through starvation.
9: What are you talking about?
8: How do you know there was sand and sugar in that sealed oil drum in Bombay, unless you put it there yourself? And the explosive that wrecked the train. How do you know it was three sticks and a cap, unless you ordered it that way?
9: You seem to have made a little slip yourself, Thurston. You've forgotten to get any proof for all those wild states. Oh, now Turbot can supply plenty of that.
10: Turbot? Yes, Mr. Martin. Last night I spoke with many of my people... Not all of them were deceived by your propaganda. They promised if we could prove that the Kahn's grass could be conquered, they would tell us the name of the one who was inciting them to unrest and violence. Uh, no, I would not advise you to move, Mr. Martin.
9: <sighs> well,
10: guess we cleaned this up okay, here, eh, Mr. X?
8: We haven't cleaned up anything yet.
9: Huh? W- we haven't?
8: No, Pego. Not as long as Martin and those like him are still around. Trying to sow the seeds of war. Feeding starving people on false ideas instead of bread. Now, we haven't cleaned up anything yet. Now, here is our star, Mr. Herbert Marshall. Thanks for being with us. I think you ought to know that uh, in tonight's cast were Jeanette Nolan, Will Wright, Bob Griffin, Paul Fries, Glenn Vernon, Ben Wright. Good night.
5: The Man Called X is a Saturday night feature on NBC's five-show festival of comedy, music, mystery, and drama brought to you by the makers of Anison for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, neuralgia, and by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television. The Man Called X starring Herbert Marshall is a J. Richard Kennedy production with music composed and conducted by Felix Mills. Tonight's story was written by Sidney Marshall. All characters and incidents on this program are fictitious and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. Be sure to listen tomorrow evening for The Big Show with Tallulah Bankhead and a great parade of stars. The Sunday night feature of NBC's All-Star Festival. And until next week, same time and station, this is Jack Latham saying good night for The Man Called X. Tomorrow here, Tallulah's Big Show. Now it's your hit parade on NBC.
4: That's The Man Called X from April 7th, 1951. With Land Reclamation starring Herbert Marshall with Leon Belasco in the cast that was sustained over NBC. Before we tune into Our Miss Brooks, I want to remind all of our listeners about our website. It is Hollywood360Radio.com. And you know what, Lisa? When they go to our website, they're going to see a pop-up. And you know what's on that pop-up? The Classic Radio Club. And you just joined the Classic Radio Club. Thank you for that.
12: I did. I'm really excited. I'm going to take a picture of what I received, and I'm going to post it on our Facebook page so our listeners can see it as well.
4: Yeah. You know what, folks? So excited. Check this out. Go to the Classic Radio Club pop-up on our website, or just log on to the website, ClassicRadioClub.com. And at the Classic Radio Club, you can join and get 10 classic radio shows. In fact, the best classic radio shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case plus liner notes for only five bucks. Five CDs, five bucks. Actually, $4.99. So you save a penny. Wow, plus shipping and handling. And you will get these uh, these 10 shows on five CDs. And then every month I will hand select 10 more shows for you on five cds and those will cost you fourteen ninety nine but it's regularly valued at thirty nine ninety five so you save over sixty percent so do check it out go to ClassicRadioClub.com. all right it's time now for our miss brooks eve arden stars as 10th grade english teacher connie brooks let's go back to june 5th nineteen forty nine this is called key to school here's part one of our miss brooks Palmolive soap, your beauty hope, and luster cream shampoo for soft,
1: glamorous, caressable hair bring you Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Not very many of us like to get up early in the morning, but Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, doesn't seem to mind at all.
12: No, in fact, I get quite a kick out of waking up in the morning because it offers proof positive that I managed to live through the day before. (laughs) However, last Wednesday, my landlady, Mrs. Davis, woke me at what seemed like an excessively early hour. Connie, get up, Connie.
13: Why? Because it's 6 a.m., and I'm leaving the house early, and there are several things I want you to do for me. Like what, for instance? Like feeding our cat Minerva at five minutes after seven.
12: But why don't you feed her now? Why,
13: Connie, you ought to know better than that. Minerva never gets up until seven.
7: (laughs)
12: I'm sorry, I lost my head. (laughs) That cat certainly doesn't lead a dog's life.
13: But why are you leaving the house so early, Mrs. Davis? I've got to visit my sister Angela. I received a message from her during the night. Oh, I hope nothing's wrong. No, she's quite well, she said. She just wants to see me. She must have called pretty late. I didn't hear the phone ring at all. Oh, she didn't phone, Connie. Was it a wire? No.
12: Special delivery letter? No. (laughs) Walkie-talkie? Pigeon? Before I use up my 20 questions, how did you hear from your sister? Well,
13: you know how absent-minded Angela is. Yes. And you probably haven't noticed it, but lately I've been growing quite absent-minded, too. I've noticed it. (laughs) Last night, I finally arrived at a point for Angela and I were tuned to the same wavelength. She reached me by mental
12: telepathy. How did she come over, AM or FM? You can joke if you like, but
13: I know just as surely as I'm standing here that Angela wants to see me immediately.
12: So uh, I'll have to leave right after breakfast. All right, Mrs. Davis. It'll do you good to get out of the house for a change anyway. Now, what did you want me to do for you? Do for me? Yes. You said when you woke me that there were several things you wanted me to do? I did. Yes. In connection with your leaving the house this
13: morning? But I didn't leave the house this morning. I
12: know, but you're going to. I am. I must be tuned in on the wrong wavelength. I'll see you at breakfast, Mrs. Davis. Well, how did you like your breakfast, Connie? Fine, Mrs. Davis. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'll get ready to go to school. Mr. Boynton's picking me up. Oh, good. Well, I'll finish these dishes before
13: I go, Connie. Oh, I'll get it. Coming.
12: Well, if it isn't our school custodian, Mr. Jensen.
14: If it isn't your school custodian, Mr. Jensen, then what?
7: (laughs) (laughs) What? When you opened the door, you
14: said, well, if it isn't our school custodian, Mr. Jensen. Mm Mm-hmm. Then I said, if it isn't your school custodian, Mr. Jensen, then what? (laughs) Catching people saying things that don't take any real meaning is a hobby of mine.
12: Oh, that's very cute, Mr. Jensen. Won't you come in? Oh, thank you, Miss Brooks. Oh, that's better.
14: What's better? (laughs)
7: Look at Mr.
12: Look at what? I don't mean look, I mean listen. I'm in kind of a hurry. What kind?
7: <laughs> the usual
12: kind. To leave the house and get to school. Therefore your hobby doesn't have the charm for me it might have at some other time.
14: <laughs> I guess you've got me there.
12: Where? Oh great. <laughs> Never mind, Mr. Jensen. What can I do for you? Well, you
14: can open up the school this morning, if you will, Miss Brooks. I talked to Mr. Conklin on the phone, and he said to give you the key. Oh. Here it is. It's this fat little devil with the blue ribbon
12: on it. Oh, I thought that was your tie. Oh. Oh, you mean the key to the school. But why don't you open up as usual?
14: Oh, because I have another stop to make before I go to school that might cause me to be tardy.
12: Another stop?
14: Yes, the maternity hospital.
12: <laughs>
14: My wife is going to have a baby.
12: Why, Mr. Jensen? Well,
14: I don't know, just because I... <laughs>
7: yeah.
14: It's our sixth child, Miss Brooks.
12: Honestly, Mr. Jensen?
14: Well, I didn't steal them, if that's what you was... <laughs> mean. Well, I, I'd better be getting along now. My, my wife will be expecting me. She's sort of used to having me around.
7: <laughs>
12: I imagine she is, Mr. Denson. <laughs> Please accept my heartiest best wishes for both of you. Oh,
14: thank you, Miss
12: Brooks. May I
14: remind you to be prompt in opening the school. I wouldn't want Mr. Conklin and the students to be kept waiting.
12: Oh, they won't be, Mr. Jensen. And be sure and let me know whether your wife has a boy or a girl. I
14: will, Miss Brooks.
12: Good day, Mr. Jensen. Yes, it
14: is, isn't
7: it?
12: (laughs) I'll just put this key on the hall table here so I don't forget it.
13: Oh, Connie, will you come into the kitchen a moment, please? Yes, Mrs. Davis. I'm all finished with the dishes, and I'd like to leave immediately. Now, Connie... When you make wake Minerva, be sure to wake her gently. She's been quite sensitive about noise ever since she fell into my new Speed Queen washing machine.
12: I don't know why. It did a very good job on her. <laughs> but I'll be careful not to upset her, Mrs. Davis. Oh, here's Minerva now. Good morning, dear.
7: Meow. <laughs> How did
12: you sleep?
7: Meow. <laughs>
13: I'll be running along now. You'll give Minerva her milk, won't you, Connie? Oh, certainly, Mrs. Davis. Remember me to your sister, Angela, if you remember. (laughs) I will, dear. Uh, Put a little cream in with the milk. She likes it that way. All right, Mrs. Davis. That is if we have
12: any cream. Here we are. No, no cream left. She'll have to drink it black. (laughs) I'll just pour the milk into this dish. There you are, Minerva. There isn't any cream left, Minerva. We'll have cream for you tomorrow. Drink that milk or I'll turn on the washing machine. I thought that would do it.
13: I'll get it. I'm on my way out anyway. Oh, come in, Mr. Boynton.
2: Oh, thanks, Mrs. Davis. You're leaving the house so early?
13: Yes. uh, Let's see if I've got everything. My purse, my hat, my shoes, and... Oh, yes, uh, now I'm all set. You'll find Miss Brooks in the kitchen, Mr. Boynton. I'm going over to see my sister
2: Angela. Oh, say hello for me. Hello. (laughs) I mean to your sister, Mrs. Davis.
13: Oh, thank you, Mr.
2: Boynton. Goodbye. Goodbye. Good morning, Miss Brooks.
12: Hello, Mr. Boynton. Would you like a cup of coffee?
2: Well, oh, yes, thanks. Would you join me? I'd love to. Yeah, how poor. I uh, ran into Mr. Jensen down the block. Cream? Yes,
12: please.
2: He told me his wife was going to have a baby.
12: I think large families are wonderful. When I meet the right man, if I haven't already met him, I'll want to get married and have several children of my own. Sugar? Yes, Mr. Boynton. I mean, yes. <laughs>
2: Say, look at the clock. We'd better hurry with this coffee.
12: Oh, you're so right, Mr. Boynton. And before we go, I'd better unlock the back door. Mrs. Davis invariably forgets her key.
2: Oh, she didn't forget it this time. When she was leaving, I noticed she took a little fat one off the hall table.
12: She took the little fat... Mr. Boynton, that was the key to the school. Mr. Jensen asked me to open up this morning. Oh, no, Miss Brooks. Oh, yes, Mr. Boynton. Oh, gosh.
2: Pretty soon, Mr. Conklin and all the students will be arriving at school. Nobody will be able to get in. Mr. Conklin will be furious at you.
12: Don't remind me. I can see the sparks flashing from his tongue already. <laughs> Gee, I'm on quite a spot, aren't I? Aren't I? That shows how upset I am, Mr. Boynton. An English teacher should never be guilty of saying, aren't I? But,
2: but Miss Brooks, what about school? Suppose we hurry over and aren't explain Aren't is
12: merely to... the contraction of are not. Therefore, one who says, aren't I, is guilty of saying, are not I. Miss yes. <laughs> Brooks, what about... The correct form is, am I not? aren't I, being nothing more than an absurd and altogether ungrammatical affectation. Miss Brooks, what about school? I ain't going. (laughs) Well, I finally decided to face the music, even though I knew that the music would consist of some angry pear-shaped tones emanating from Mr. Conklin's pear-shaped head. (laughs) By the time Mr. Boynton dropped me off, There were so many students milling around dear old Madison High that it looked like a training school for young
7: pickets. (laughs) I found Mr.
12: Conklin pacing up and down outside his office windows.
1: Ah, there you are, Miss Brooks. Good
12: morning, Mr. Conklin.
1: It's about time. Now then, if you'll give me the key.
12: The key?
1: Yes, the key. Let me have it.
12: I'll let you have it as quickly as possible. There is no key.
7: <laughs>
1: no key? But Mr. Jensen was supposed to. He be...
12: did, but then I put it on a table in the hall, and Mrs. Davis took it with her to her sister Angela's. It wasn't really my fault, Mr. Conklin. I, I don't just...
1: care whose fault it was. We've got to get into this school and quickly. You see, Miss Brooks, the Board of Education is presenting Madison High with a plaque today. A plaque? For what, Mr. Conklin? It's an award for the best attendance record of any high school in the county. <laughs>
12: Why, that's wonderful. Congratulations, Mr. Conklin.
1: Thank you, Miss Brooks, but I'd rather receive your felicitations inside my office instead of out here.
12: That's your phone, isn't it, Mr. Conklin?
1: Yes. Yes, it is. (laughs) But thanks to your far-sighted suggestion after those two boxes of chalk disappeared, ours is the only school with a double lock on the front door and bars on all the windows. (laughs) I can't get in to answer it.
12: Well, maybe it isn't important, Mr. Conklin.
1: I think I know who's calling, Miss Brooke. It's the Board of Education. They want to know when I'm going to hold an assembly.
12: An assembly?
1: Yes, Miss Brooke. They want to give us a plaque for perfect attendance and nobody's in school to answer the phone.
12: (laughs) Oh, please, Mr. Conklin, try to be calm. We'll think of something. Maybe I could call Mrs. Davis when she gets to her sister's... No, Angela has no phone. I know. I'll go out to her house. You'll
1: do no such thing, Miss Brooks. You'll need every teacher we've got to set up classes on the athletic field.
12: Hello, Daddy. Miss Brooks. Don't you think it's time we were getting into school? Now, that's an excellent suggestion, Harriet.
1: Miss Brooks hasn't got the key.
12: Wait a minute. You drive, don't you, Harriet? Well, certainly, Miss Brooks. Can I go somewhere for you?
1: You'll stay right here, Harriet. There must be someone else you can send, Miss Brooks.
7: How about my dream boat, Walter Denton?
1: Dreamboat? (laughs) (laughs) He's an idiot.
12: But Daddy, Walter's a wonderful driver. He'll pick up the key wherever it is and have it back here in nothing flat.
1: Nothing but his head, that is.
4: And that's the first portion of Our Miss Brooks. More of Hollywood 360 after these words.
1: More Hollywood 360 after these important messages.
4: And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Next time, it's the conclusion to Our Miss Brooks from 1949. Then Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall star in Bold Venture from 1951. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.